What Jesus Said About Angels from Paper 167 in the Arantia Book. As they journeyed up the hills from Jericho to Bethany, Nathaniel walked most of the way by the side of Jesus, and their discussion of children in relation to the kingdom of heaven led indirectly to the consideration of the ministry of angels. Nathaniel finally asked the master this question. Seeing that the high priest is a Sadducee, and since the Sadducees do not believe in angels, what shall we teach the people regarding the heavenly ministers? Then, among other things, Jesus said, The angelic orders of creation, they are entirely different from the material order of mortal creatures, and they function as a distinct group of universe intelligences. Angels are not of that group of creatures called the sons of God in the scriptures. Neither are they the glorified spirits of mortal men who have gone on to progress through the mansions on high. Angels are a direct creation, and they do not reproduce themselves. The angelic hosts have only a spiritual kinship with the human race. As man progresses in the journey to the Father in paradise, he does traverse a state of being at one time analogous to the state of the angels, but mortal man never becomes an angel. The angels never die as man does. The angels are immortal unless perchance they become involved in sin, as did some of them with the deceptions of Lucifer. The angels are the spirit servants in heaven, and they are neither all-wise nor all-powerful. But all of the loyal angels are truly pure and holy. And do you not remember that I said to you once before that if you had your spiritual eyes anointed, you would then see the heavens opened and behold the angels of God ascending and descending? It is by the ministry of the angels that one world may be kept in touch with other worlds. For have I not repeatedly told you that I have other sheep not of this fold? And these angels are not the spies of the spirit world who watch upon you and then go forth to tell the Father the thoughts of your heart and to report on the deeds of the flesh. The Father has no need of such service inasmuch as his own spirit lives within you. But these angelic spirits do function to keep one part of the heavenly creation informed concerning the doings of other and remote parts of the universe. And many of the angels, while functioning in the government of the Father and the universes of the sons, are assigned to the service of the human races. When I taught you that many of these seraphim are ministering spirits, I spoke not in figurative language nor in poetic strains. And all this is true, regardless of your difficulty in comprehending such matters. Many of these angels are engaged in the work of saving men. For have I not told you of the seraphic joy when one soul elects to forsake sin and begin the search for God? I did even tell you of the joy in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner who repents thereby indicating the existence of other and higher orders of celestial beings who are likewise concerned in the spiritual welfare and with the divine progress of mortal man. 
Also are these angels very much concerned with the means whereby man's spirit is released from the tabernacles of the flesh and his soul escorted to the mansions in heaven. Angels are the sure and heavenly guides of the soul of man during that uncharted and indefinite period of time which intervenes between the death of the flesh and the new life in the spirit abodes. And he would have spoken further with Nathaniel regarding the ministry of angels, but he was interrupted by the approach of Martha, who had been informed that the master was drawing near to Bethany by friends who had observed him ascending the hills to the east. And now she hastened to greet them. And so in this paper from 167.7, we get really uh, the best summation you could probably have if you wanted to sum up exactly what the Urantia narrative, or as Dr. Meredith Sprunger once called it, its concept of reality really is. And talking about the role that angels play in the universe, what their role is, where they come from. Jesus talks about how they are a direct creation, that they're not capable of reproduction, and that they are not of the same order of the various sons of God, like, for example, Lucifer or Melchizedek who are a different order of spiritual, who share a different order of spiritual kinship, really. And so it also uh, talks about how angels are very important in the role of, of taking care of the humans when they translate from the death of the mortal tabernacle of flesh. It's interesting because he does really, in this one paper, sort of give you the whole, the whole thing, the whole story. And, uh, and it's coming from as the Arantia Revelation tells us, from the Son of Man himself. So he's actually explaining, and in many ways he's talking to Nathaniel and having this very frank conversation, like, you know, you've asked me this before, and let me tell you how it works, okay? So you got the, the mortals over here, and you got the angels, and you got sons of God, and we all kind of work together uh, for the will of the Father. And, uh, and it's almost as if it's it's a very casual relationship that he has with these people that he can just talk about them as if they're like, you know, just a community. And it and he does it in a way that's not grand or mysterious or magical. To him, Jesus, as he's talking to Nathaniel, it's just very casual. Well, this is who they are. And what's exciting for me in reading this paper is that we get to read his words, what he said, and how he describes them. Imagine if, if the world would read just this paper and say, this is what Jesus said about angels. How would that change us, right? Well, that's kind of the point of this particular paper. And, and so, so many people are fascinated by this idea of guardian angels. You, you know, no doubt you've heard somebody, if something's happened to them, and they'll tell you, yeah, my guardian angel, you know, saved my life. And so as long as Jesus is talking about the reality of angels and what they do, I thought this would be a good opportunity to jump over to paper 113 and just talk about one particular group, and that would be, of course, the guardian angels. And this is part of the, the, the entire economy of the seraphic planetary government that's described in this paper and how our unseen friends behind the scenes that we don't see and we don't know because we don't have the spiritual eyes to see them, well, this is what they do. 
This is their function. So I thought it would be good to share with you from paper 113. And it reads, The teachings about guardian angels is not a myth. Certain groups of human beings do actually have personal angels. It was in recognition of this that Jesus, in speaking of the children of the heavenly kingdom, said, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say to you, their angels do always behold the presence of the Spirit of my Father. End quote. Originally, the seraphim were definitely assigned to the separate Urantia races, but since the bestowal of Michael, of Jesus, there are assigned in accordance with human intelligence, spirituality, and destiny. Intellectually, mankind is divided into three groups or classes. And this is how they assign the different guardian angels. So see, there is order in the universe, isn't there? So the first group is the subnormal-minded, those who do not exercise normal willpower, uh, those who do not make average decisions. This class embraces those who cannot comprehend God. Have you ever thought about that, that there are people that just can't come? It almost sounds like you're making some sort of a bigoted statement, right? But how true is that statement? Are there, in fact, people that just cannot comprehend deity? Do you know people like that? Look around. According to this writing, they lack capacity for the intelligent worship of deity. The subnormal beings of Urantia, our world, have a core of seraphim, one company with one battalion of cherubim assigned to minister to them and to witness that justice and mercy are extended to them in the life struggles of the, the sphere. You know, one wonders if maybe this is angels that are assigned to, you know, perhaps prisoners or uh, people who are members of a drug cartel. And they try to at least make sure that these individuals get proper justice and mercy. That's just my own assumption. Then there's another group of people, the average, normal type of human mind. From the standpoint of seraphic ministry, most men and women are grouped in seven classes in accordance with their status in making the circles of human progress and spiritual development. Then there's the other group, number three, the supernormal-minded, those of great decision and undoubted potential of spiritual achievement, men and women who enjoy more or less contact with their indwelling adjusters, their spirit. Members of this various reserve corps of destiny, which is a group of people who are unconsciously chosen in times of planetary crisis to serve a certain purpose. No matter in what circle a human happens to be, if such an individual becomes enrolled in any of the several reserve corps of destiny right then and there, personal seraphim are assigned. And from that time until the earthly career is finished, that mortal will enjoy the continuous ministry and unceasing watch care of a guardian angel. Also, when any human being makes the supreme decision, when there is a real betrothal with the adjuster, that spirit of God in you, a personal guardian is immediately assigned to that soul. In the ministry to so-called normal beings, seraphic assignments are made in accordance with the human attainment of the circles of intellectuality and spirituality. Human beings in the initial or seventh circle have one guardian angel 
with one company of assisting cherubim assigned to the watch care and custody of 1,000 mortals. In the sixth circle, a seraphic pair with one company of cherubim is assigned to guide these ascending mortals in groups of 500. When the fifth circle is attained, human beings are grouped in companies of approximately 100, and a pair of guardian seraphim with a group of cherubim is placed in charge. Upon attainment of the fourth circle, mortal beings are assembled in groups of 10, and again charge is given to a pair of seraphim assisted by one company of cherubim. When a mortal mind breaks through the inertia of animal legacy and attains the third circle of human intellectuality and acquired spirituality, a personal angel, in reality too, will henceforth be holy and exclusively devoted to this ascending mortal. And thus these human souls, in addition to the ever-present and increasingly efficient indwelling thought adjuster receives the undivided assistance of these personal guardians of destiny in all their efforts to finish the third circle, traverse the second, and attain the first. So in this paper, 113, section 1, it really goes down to the basic how they allocate resources of these seraphim who are charged with being the guardian angels of humanity. And so they separate them by each human's ability in an intellectual and a spiritual way. How deep thinking are they? So the quality of the mind really determines the value of that individual to his guardian angel. And we see that only really people who are of immense spiritual and intellectual depth or have some important thing that they're supposed to do, uh, and there are people that we know, we, we know who they are, people that are in, or even some that we don't. There are millions of people every day that are in positions of, of, of authority, leadership, power, unnamed heroes that we never know, that are unconsciously intellectually deep and, and, and spiritually, uh, they have the insight to know and how to make the right decisions. You know, they could be politicians, they could be corporate leaders, they could be doctors, regional directors, whoever these people are, they are given someone to take care of them and, 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 and help them because they're important. And so that's how these guardian angels work. And then the, I guess the, the more circles you attain as a human being, you know, the more attention is given to you. It's kind of like that saying, the more that is given, the more is expected of you. Well, in this case, the more that you achieve, the more blessings you get, the more guardianship you get from these unseen friends of ours. So there's a deep dive into paper 113 talking about guardian angels for anybody who wants to know. There were seven Spanish angels at the altar of the sun. They were praying for the lovers in the valley of the gun. When the battle stopped and the smoke cleared, there was thunder from the throne. And seven Spanish angels 
Took another angel home All right, y'all, help me now There was seven Spanish angels At the 